Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Oh! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when no. they're not. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. And it sounds like our guys in the background left their microphones on. We What's in a up, cave Gabe? Today? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. ApologiaStudios.com is where you guys can get more. You have Sheologians, you have Cultish, you have Provoked, Apologia Radio, all there at ApologiaStudios.com. And you can partner with us in All Access and get additional content, the Academy, you get the After Show, the TV Show, you get all kinds of stuff there at ApologiaStudios.com. You also make everything we do possible, including the video we dropped last night of our evangelism and outreach outside the Mormon Temple at the Easter Pageant in Mesa, Arizona. And so those, those videos go all over the world. We have met countless Mormons who have, uh, or ex-Mormons, have come to Christ as a result of watching this video. So I want to say thank you to all of our All Access Ministry partners for being a part of all of this with us. You make everything we're doing possible, the teaching ministry, the evangelism videos, everything we do, you guys are a part of with us. So thank you, thank you, a thousand times thank you, especially for those of you guys that have been with us since the very, very beginning. Um, Your uh, work together with us is not missed, and uh, we're grateful for it. So ApologiaStudios.com. Don't forget, if you have not started your Bonson U account. It is totally for free at ApologiaStudios.com. It is a gift to you and to us uh, from the Bonson family, and uh, so we're grateful for that. And as we always say, get your account at Bonson U on ApologiaStudios.com. You will get some of the best theological training, uh, apologetics training, training in philosophy, hermeneutics, church history uh, that is available, and it shouldn't be free. It's a whole seminary um, uh, system. Uh, there are like 2,000 lectures and videos that are going up there, and uh, it's Dr. Greg Bonson's life work, and it is ours to give away to you. And so, again, thank you to the Bonson family, but you get it at ApologiaStudios.com, so I encourage you guys to do that. That was Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 at the beginning. Um, we're in the book of Proverbs right now at Apologia Church. We finished Matthew and so we're going verse by verse through the book of Proverbs, very excited, and um, I'm really, I'm in many ways thrilled about what we're going to learn as a church and grow in as a church as we study God's wisdom, how to live like God 
And uh, Proverbs 1-7 is actually the verse, many commentators agree with this, it's like the verse that sets up everything else in the book. I mean, it really is the foundation of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so we're going to talk today about some weighty things, some very difficult things. I know many of you guys are uh, aware of the shooting that took place in Texas, where a disgusting, despicable, disgraceful human being went in uh, to an elementary school and slaughtered uh, 19 children and two teachers. And so we are going to talk about some weighty things today. And just at the outset, as we start this discussion, we want to say that there is hope. There is hope for those who know Christ, who know God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a foundation uh, that can make sense of uh, the brokenness that we see in Texas and, of course, every day all around the world. There's a foundation to understand, to have a basis, to know, um, how do I interpret this, and uh, how can I grieve? Um, because, you know, <clears throat> when we talk about this discussion of the slaughter of these children, it is such a painful thing. And, you know, we have to just grant this because of God's common grace and because we're all made in the image of God. Moments like today, atheists feel the pain and the weight of a moment like this. As much as daily in academia, the atheists and those who defy God and his existence will say that all we are are just bags of protoplasm in a universe that doesn't care about us, and this is just time and chance acting on matter. There is no ultimate anything. I mean, you guys have probably seen enough debates and discussions we've had with atheists on this uh, channel, on this platform, where you have seen, as we're on the street with the atheists, uh, atheists uh, who are the vice president of uh, the Atheist Society at Cornell, to the atheist at the university we do public debates with, to just the average, everyday atheist on the street. They'll say things like, yeah, there are no ultimates. There's no ultimate right. There's no ultimate wrong. There's no have to anything. You know, it's just societal convention. We just determine these things sort of, you know, they change and ebb and flow with each generation and each culture. But in a moment like this, they don't live like that, right? They can't live like that because they're living in God's world and they're in God's image. And you look at a moment like this and as horrible as this is, everybody feels the weight of it. Mm. Everybody feels the weight of it, whether you are a Christian or not. The question is, though, here's the question. The question is, how do you have any basis to grieve over something like this? How can you justify grief in a moment like this? From a Christian perspective, we have an answer. Those children are made in God's image. God has absolute standards that are above all of us. He has a character that is above all of us, that is transcendent. And this was objectively, morally evil. It was an abomination. And as a Christian, you can say that and make sense of it. It's not evil because I just feel like it's evil, because I personally find it distasteful. It goes against the very character of God. Love is God's character. God is love. Love does no harm to its neighbor. And so it's evil on an objective basis, and Christians have a basis to grieve and say, this is not how things ought to be. In other words, this is not the way God's world is supposed to be, but it is that way. Why? And then we can start the discussion about the fall and sin and rebellion against God. And this is the world that we choose for ourselves. That's not to say that we're all guilty of one another's sin, but this is the world of a bunch of image bearers of God who are called by God. Uh, their vocation is to, is to image God in the world, to be his light into the world and to, to reflect God in many ways. But we say no to him, we say no to his ways, and this is the world that we get. You say, no, I don't want you, God. I'll, do, I'll live my own way. I'll live apart from you. We will not fear you 
as a basis of knowledge. We will not fear you to have a foundation of knowledge and wisdom and how to live in this world. We won't do that. And so in moments like this, we sort of eat the fruit of our labor. This is reaping what you sow. It's not to say to any degree that the parents are somehow responsible. This was murder. This was evil. The man was responsible. I'm speaking in a general sense of a fallen world. This is the world that sinners choose for themselves. We defy God every day. And so a world that defies God and lives in his world apart from his ways will ultimately feel the impact of it all. We're going to feel the weight of it, right? And so it's a horrible, evil, awful thing. And the question is, is how do you have a basis to know that it's awful and to feel this pain? So it's a weighty show today. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to play a lot of clips for you guys today, too, to sort of back everybody up in terms of like what happened and what do we know took place. Um, I don't want to highlight the murderer at all. I don't care about his name. I don't care about uh, giving him a platform to any degree. I mean, I'll talk about the background stuff in terms of like fatherlessness and all the rest, but I don't even want to mention his name because um, it doesn't matter to me because he's just a murderer. And um, what he did was one of the most awful things a human being can do, one of the most awful things imaginable. So I'll kick it over to you guys now before we get started with the uh, details. Well, the comments are already fun. Uh, yeah? Yeah, so. We, <laughs> we, we already jumped in there. Yeah, we, uh, Didn't we? <laughs> well, I mean, just what we want to be careful and cautious not to do is to jump on the speculation train um, which is very easy to do in situations like this. Like Jeff said, we want to stick to the facts. We want to answer this objectively from God's word, from biblical principles, and respond that way and not get caught up in the the what-ifs and the, you know just the crazy theories behind everything because you can go off very quickly, off the rails very quickly doing that. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there are people that are using this event to uh, sort of back up their own agenda, but that's not why we're doing this show. Yeah. Um. So, it, yeah, we're not really here to talk about crooked media or right. Right. conspiracy theory, whatever. You know, that, that's a different conspiracy theories is a different episode. Sure. <laughs> that's today. right. No, we can do we can we can talk about those <laughs> things and the appropriate way to wade through the, the evidence for those things or or not. But I think we want to answer this. I mean, the title of the show today is a Christian response to the Texas school shooting. And so we want to respond to this with scripture, with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So what would what is the what is the word of God and the fear of God give to us? When we look at a situation like this, how do you respond to it as Christians? And, you know, at the same time, I want to imagine that as we're doing this show, that I'm speaking to um, that group of um, heartbroken and grieving parents. I want to, I want to talk, I want to talk to them <clears throat> and respect the fact that they're grieving, and try, and maybe they're not listen, maybe they're not ready to listen to all the hard things and deep things all at once. When you're grieving, you're not. It's just time to grieve. But if they were listening to this, are, are we going to be able to speak to them in a way where they can actually make sense of their pain and what they're going through and be able to have hope and answers? So I, I don't want to just go off on, on, on tangents, and I want to actually speak to this in a way that's meaningful to them. And, uh, and of course, yes, we're going to address some of the crazy things said uh, by the leftists and uh, the attempt to, to make this about 
guns and those sorts of things. That's right. you know, it, it, up front, let's go ahead and say this isn't the problem of the tool. It's a problem of the person with the tool. It's a problem of the culture and society that we've grown. And um, and so we need to talk about it in in in, in those terms, uh, not uh, the tool itself, because we could do an entire show here talking about all the ways that these tools have saved women mm-hmm. who were home alone with their children, where people were breaking in, trying to rape them, those sorts of things. We could talk about uh, all the instances where somebody with a gun uh, was able to stop a shooter and to stop somebody from slaughtering large crowds of people because somebody there was uh, carrying a tool like that. And so it, the issue is is not the tool itself. It's, it's the right. person wielding the tool. That's what we need to discuss. Right. Which they are tools of liberty. They are tools of liberty. And uh, anything can be a tool of liberty. A computer, a hammer, right? a knife. They can all be used as tools of liberty. They they can all, we can, as Doug, our friend Doug says, which by the way, pray for the Wilsons. They lost a great saint last night. Jim Wilson. Jim Wilson. Mm-hmm. His father, Doug Wilson's dad. Yes. We're, we're praying for yep. Doug and his family. <clears throat> but as Doug has, has said in the past, and I've borrowed this from him, is that we should view uh, technology, we should view tools of liberty with grateful suspicion. So, again, like you said, it's not the uh, it's not the tool that's the problem. It's that someone misused the tool for evil and said for good. And uh, speaking of tools of liberty, I got to mention AR five hundred, who we're very very thankful to be partnering with. They they are awesome, and you got to see David Reese last I did, week, last Thursday. And, uh, so we're thankful for them. Please check out uh, armoredrepublic.com. Yeah, we can't, and we can't uh, neglect at the outset of as we as we have this discussion. We can't neglect to to talk about um, the fact that the 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 leftists and the Democrats and the pro choicers, um, interestingly, this week, uh, in light of the school shooting and somebody going into a place and and slaughtering a bunch of uh, little human beings. Um, they're, they're all of a sudden now just really, really concerned with very small human beings. Yeah. Really concerned with someone just murdering, um, innocent, uh, small, uh, human beings when really just two two weeks ago, they were trying to enshrine into law and to codify into law, the right to murder little humans at will. Yeah. Um, so they were upset that Roe versus Wade is uh, possibly going to be overturned. So they tried to, um, they tried to codify Roe versus Wade into uh, federal law and create legislation that would give mothers and fathers the right to kill these little children at will. So it's it's strange. Of course, we can't we don't want to fail to, to recognize that very uh, s- strange, duplicitous position. On the one hand, kill the children at will. On the other hand, when it happens and it's it's politically expedient for you, we now all of a sudden care very deeply about someone coming in and slaughtering little human beings. And so we can't neglect to bring it up because it's an obvious inconsistency and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yes. Fools Amen. despise wisdom right. and correction. And so well, that just highlights the subjective nature of the hope and healing that they offer. Yeah. Um, because they're, I mean, they're essentially holding these two deeply conflicting ideals mm-hmm. in their hands at the same time. Um, and they have no way to make sense of it other than to just, to just forget they said the other thing while they're, like forget their, what one hand is holding yeah. <laughs> while the other one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just it it really just reveals that um, their assessment of the issue is incomplete and therefore their prescription for hope and healing is also going to be 
yeah. incomplete right. as well. Yeah, they can't make sense of what is they're seeing. They can't make sense of their own worldview and their system. They're inter- internally incoherent. And you can speak and speak and speak and speak and speak as much as you want to them about their inconsistencies, and they won't ultimately be able to see it until there's a fear of the Lord. Right. Right? Until there is reverent submission and awe before God, they'll never understand. They'll never know. In a situation like this, you can say to them, do you not see the difference between the two positions? Within one month, you said that mothers and fathers should be able to kill their little human beings at will, and you want it as a part of law nationally, that you can kill your child, your small human in the womb, and you can actually do it as much as you want. 20 kids is not the limit. You can really do it as much as you want. And then two weeks later with the school shooting, they're saying, no, we really care about these small human beings and someone coming in to slaughter them. That's unjustified taking of little human life, and we're opposed to that. And it's just politically expedient. But see, you can speak to them as much as you want to say, hey, there's two positions there. Something isn't working. Uh, and the answer is the next part of that verse, Proverbs 1-7, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And and I'm going to talk about this this weekend, too, on Sunday. Very important. We talk about the word fool. When the Bible uses the word fool, it's not using it like we would try to use it as a pejorative on the, in a street fight. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's up, sucker? What's up, fool? Like, you know, it's not like that. It's It's actually a moral indictment. To, matter of fact, the, the wording that's often used with that word fool in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, it refers to like the thick-skinned ignoramus, and ignoramus meaning you're ignorant, you have no understanding, and your, thin, your, your skin is so thick you won't receive anything. You don't want to. You're so hostile to God and to his ways that it's a moral indictment. It's not merely just sort of a descriptor of, you know, you punk, you fool. It's not like that. Right. It, it is insulting because it's true, right? But it's a moral indictment. Being a fool is a sin. It's a sin. So it's 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 just it's a descriptor of you're being sinful. So fools despise wisdom and instruction and correction. They they don't want to be corrected. And in a situation like this, like what's the ultimate answer? We're saying, well, the answer to your foolishness is reverence, submission, and all before God. It's fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the answer to your fool. That's the answer to your problem. The answer to to this world is the gospel, reconciliation, and peace with God, which leads to fear of God, which leads to knowledge and wisdom and understanding, and even the willingness to be corrected, <laughs> right? To, to actually receive correction. And so, we have a lot to talk about today. So, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say yes. <laughs> I didn't want to get ahead of things. I think you're going to play that Biden clip, right? At some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and Joy had on. some good remarks before the show about that too. I hope we bring that yeah, in. Right. Um, Hold so, on that then. Um, let's do this first, just about make sure that we put on record because you know maybe 200 years from now, homeschoolers will be watching this video to you know think about history and things that were going on. We want to put some background into here, and so this is um, this is a news report on um, the shooting itself. I'll go ahead and play this. Oops. For some reason, my computer does this weird thing where we plug it in. It like won't let you uh, hear what's going on there. So let me do this. Unless we uh, have a problem in the background, guys. I'm not sure what's going on. Are dead in a shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde is a small town of about 16,000 people. It's about an hour and a half west of San Antonio. Let's get right to William Joy. He's in our newsroom tonight. William, there is so much information to sort through. Bring us up with the very latest on this horrific shooting. 
As Cynthia, Chris, we're continuing to learn more information. Just in the last hour, we learned that the shooter is 18-year-old Salvador Ramos, according to Governor Greg Abbott. Abbott said that Ramos was a student at Uvalde High School and shot his grandmother just before the attack on an elementary school. Now, tragically, 14 students are dead, along with one teacher, according to Abbott. And that shooter was killed by law enforcement. Two other officers were also hurt, but expected to be okay. The district first reported this shooting just a little bit after noon today, saying that it happened at Robb Elementary School, which is for second to fourth graders. According to its calendar, they were supposed to be done for the summer on Thursday. Now, parents arriving at the school are telling ABC News they don't have much information right now, and at least a few are anxiously trying to find their kids. So that was the um, report as it first came out. Actually, as, uh, and they updated on their channel here, 19 students and two mm -hmm. adults, two teachers. Um, that's how many were slaughtered by this maniac. And I um, want to play that as well because it also gives a story the fact that this evil scumbag also um, uh, killed his grandmother. Yeah. Killed his grandmother, shot her in the head before he went and did yeah. this awful, awful thing. And so uh, shortly after, uh, we, get, we began to learn more about what happened. And uh, this is a little bit of the story of the Border Patrol's involvement um, at the shooting um, at the school, uh, th uh, thankfully, uh, from what I understand, thankfully, uh, border tr uh, there's a lot of Border Patrol agents in this town, and there was Border Patrol agent uh, that heard the gunshots. Mm. And so um, Border Patrol agents actually uh, were involved in working with the police to go in and to, and to ultimately uh, take the shooter down and to, to end the situation. So here's the news clip of that. Well, Audrey, we're here at the campus of Robb Elementary, and leadership from Border Patrol has just come here to pay their respects uh, in, in this community. Uh, first, we want to bring in uh, Del Rio Sector Chief Jason Owens, and, and we know the agents here in this community were so instrumental in taking down this gunman. Can you talk about the importance of their role here? Well, thanks, Vanessa. First, let me tell you, and this is something that, that can't get lost on anybody, these are our communities too. You know, I'm a Texan. Uh, my men and women that work at the Uvalde Station, this is their home. They had children that go to this school. You know, uh, so anytime a call like this goes out, it's all hands on deck. They're going to respond, but even more so when it impacts their home like this did. And we know uh, one of your agents was hit with gunfire. We're here. He do, he's doing well. Can you talk about his condition and how uh, he was able to take down the gunman? So we did have uh, over 80 Border Patrol agents from the Uvalde Station, from Brackettville, from the Special Operations Detachment, and all points in between. Some came from off duty, some came from training and they all responded. So collaboratively, everybody came together. We did have a contingent of our BORTAC team that helped DPS and other police departments uh, make entry and actually confront the suspect and ultimately bring this to a conclusion. One of our officers, one of our agents, did sustain minor injuries in the process of confronting that subject. Uh, beyond that, we had several of our BORSTAR team and other agents that actually took uh, an active role in the rescue and actually treating. So this was something that uh, really can't put on one person. It took every single person here in uniform and out uh, to make this happen. It's important to remember that this could have been so much worse. So there you go. That's um, <clears throat> some of the news clips uh, from on the ground uh, when it happened and shortly after it happened. And so um, before we get to Biden invoking scripture in the name of God, interestingly, uh, I want to just talk for a moment about the foundation for pain. I, I mean, I mentioned it briefly, yeah. but I think it'd be good to talk about it. When you see things like this, it's really important to think deeply about what you're feeling, right? Um, 
I had, you know, I have mentioned many times in messages, you guys probably heard me say this a bunch, um, that there were, there was a shooting in, in Tucson, um, years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was at the, uh, I was at a, a gym and, um, I remember that when it came on the news that, um, I didn't know anybody's background or when anybody believed in this place that I was. It was like a cafe in a gym. And they were playing the news of what was taking place in Tucson. Is that Gabby Giffords? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the shooting. And so, like, you know, this place is filled up with people and everybody's eyes are locked on the screen. And there was people, like, shaking their heads. And there was tears falling from some people's faces. And I've, I've mentioned and reflected on that uh, many times that I didn't know what anybody there believed Right, I didn't have conversations with anybody. Um, it was just this this quiet moment in front of the television screens in public, and so there were you know unbelievers, believers. I don't know, like, but everybody had the same response to that. This is so painful. It's so awful. It's so terrible. Tears are being shed, and the question has to be asked: like, what gives you the right to do that? Ask the question. I know it's a deep, it's a heavy moment. It's a hard moment for all of us to wade through. It's a painful moment, but you have to ask the question: like, what gives you the right to grieve? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, some people might say, what do you mean, what gives me the right to grieve? This is painful. This is awful. I'd say, I agree. But I have a basis to say it's painful and it's awful, right? I mean, like, if you think about it for a second, um, this is a public school, right? An elementary school. And it keeps going after elementary school to government middle school, um, government-run high school, and in those programs, these kids, if, 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 if these kids continue to move through the system, the system tells them that um, mm. you are a cosmic accident, that um, there's no meaning and purpose to life. Um, we got here through random mutations over long, long periods of time. They were unguided. There was no meaning. There was no purpose. It's just bacteria that ultimately evolved um, through mechanical processes to become fish, and then ultimately evolved to get on the ground, and then move through time through different degrees of speciation from one species to the to the next. Where now you are the you that you are now. And as a matter of fact, there because this is this random chance mutation universe, and it's just chaos, time and chance acting on matter. Because of that, and because we came from fish. There's, there's, there's nothing different about you than, you know, other random results of evolutionary process. And so with that, you know, gender, does it really mean anything? Like, you know, if, if you're a boy, you know, biologically, you know, like as a matter of science, you're a male and you don't want to be a male anymore. Yeah. You know, cut it off. Like just, you know, be a female. Like you can pretend to be a woman, just do that. And sexual choices, sexual ethics. Well, there really aren't any. I mean, you know, we have some no-nos for the moment, but those no-nos can change over time, you know? Um, and so there's really no ultimate standard of sexual ethics. And so there's, there's really no ought above any of our heads. Now, here's the thing. You tell someone that enough, and maybe they'll turn 18 years old and believe you. Maybe they'll start believing you. Maybe they'll start believing you that there is no meaning and purpose to life, and I'm just the random result, result of evolutionary processes. And maybe it's not such a big deal, and maybe there's no real ultimate meaning to putting a bullet in my grandma's head. And then immediately following that, going to a school and slaughtering a room full of, of little human beings. You know, you tell someone enough that there is no meaning and there is no purpose and there's no oughts, there's no ultimate morality, they might actually start believing you. Maybe they're actually going to buy your system, which if they buy your system, you've got to answer the question, what gives you the right to grieve? Now, from a Christian perspective, you know that 
my worldview that comes from the grounding of Scripture says you have every reason to grieve. This was evil. This was darkness and sin and demonic on a level that we would hope we would never see in this world, but we do. And so what happened there was so morally repulsive and evil, and I have a reason to say that it was, because I have the character of God by which to judge it, and I have the law of God by which to judge it. Mm. And so I have a basis to say, no, those weren't cosmic accidents. No, their ancestors were not just bacteria. They're made in the image of God. Jesus said, this is key, especially today with so many evangelicals trying to deny this. Jesus said in Matthew 19, he says, have you not read that from the beginning he made them male and female? From the beginning of creation, that was Jesus' view of creation. From the very beginning, he made them male and female. There's no evolutionary processes there from bacteria to fish to humans. It's not even allowed in Jesus' worldview. From the beginning, he made them male and female. And if you look back at that story of creation, what's it say? Unique, beautiful creation, purposeful creation, meaningful creation by God. And it says he made them male and female in the image of God. He created them. So there's the grounding for meaning and purpose and value and dignity for human beings. And so the question has to be asked, what gives you the right to grieve? I want to say that the only meaningful way to grieve in a moment like this is to have a Christian worldview and to fear God and have a basis for that understanding. But then you also have the glory of the Christian worldview that says that there is a God who chases down the rebels in that creation itself, who enters into creation, takes on flesh. He endures all that this world has to offer, and he has killed himself. He dies a death that his people deserve on that cross. It's finished. He accomplishes it, and he conquers our greatest enemy, death. If you didn't think death was an enemy, this week should have reminded you how much of an enemy how much of an enemy death actually is mm. and our god became incarnate to actually defeat our greatest enemy and so we have a basis to say that's morally evil and more than that beyond that we also have a basis to say that we have a savior who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses you look at a moment like this and then I'll kick it over to you guys and you think about the fact that this was a murderous man on a rampage, slaughtering in innocent victims. You think to yourself, oh, that's so terrible, it's so painful. I'm going to say, yes, only with Christ can you say that's terrible and painful. But yes, with Christ, you have a Savior who understands what it means to have murderous people on a rampage against the innocent, because he endured that. He had murderous, wicked people dead set on killing him and taking his life. And then they did. And the question has to be asked, well, what did he do wrong? The answer is nothing. He was the innocent one. So innocent, in fact, that Pilate, who's overseeing the whole situation, he washes his hands in public view to make sure that everybody knows as a matter of record and history that this man is innocent. He said, I find no fault in him. You see to it. And then he turns Jesus over to a murderous mob people with the same wickedness in their hearts as this scumbag this week, taking the life of the innocent. And so with Jesus, you have a basis to actually cry. You have a reason to cry. You have a reason to grieve with what he tells us about himself in the world, but you also have a Savior who sympathizes with you in your pain. He knows what it's like. He meets you in that pain. And that's also, by the way, why there ain't no man-made religion in the world that can touch this good story nothing. The God who enters into human flesh to chase sinners 
who don't deserve him to give them grace and forgiveness and peace. And along the way, he, he endures everything we endure in this awful, painful world. That is a glorious God. You can't beat that. That's beautiful. So I was just going to say this ultimately, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, the result of a Christlessness culture, right? It's Christ or chaos. And when, uh, when we don't worship Christ, it, why are we surprised when everything's chaotic? And, um, you know, scripture says, that, or God says that those who hate me love death. Um, and so we shouldn't be surprised by this. And, uh, we shouldn't be surprised when, when the culture that hates God, uh, who two weeks ago were trying to legalize murder now are using child death. Murder. Yeah. Now are using child murder yeah. to promulgate their, uh, awful, um, uh, agenda. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the good news, right. Is that, um, Christ is ruling and reigning and he will death will be put under his feet. That'll be the last thing, right? Scripture is very clear about that. Death will be the last thing Christ puts under his feet. Um, and I've said this a lot, but like the, the our enemies talking about uh, spiritually speaking, uh, know that they know that the last thing that we put under Christ's feet is death. And so they're going to use death as, mm. um, as their selling point. Mm. Cause that's all they got left to hold on to. So, mm. Um, well, I guess it's just something that I find interesting is, um, sort of another, uh, staple of our culture, of what our culture has produced, and certainly something that is, uh, continued on through public education is, uh, the abdication of, uh, authoritative roles in the family. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, we need to stop believing a culture that tells us that our kids need privacy and freedom from us because, well, you just mentioned, um, the creation story. <laughs> um, and with the creation of man, woman, there was a creation of authority. And of course, um, obviously in that instance, it was between, a man and a wife. Yeah. Um, but we are given further information as to how, uh, parents are supposed to have authority over their kids. And I think that, um, it's, if you look carefully, they're not quite as, uh, outspoken about it, but they're a little coded in the way that they generally preach this. But, um, we live in a world where kids are encouraged to actually leave their parents um, in order to find themselves. And this is truly, this situation is truly, um, an instance of someone who is, uh, who needs discipline and authority mm -hmm. that didn't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's normal in our culture. It's normal, um, for young men and young women to have, privacy and freedom from their parents in an attempt to figure out themselves or discover who they are or whatever. Um, I'm just going to say that's not biblical. Um, and I, I, there is absolutely no reason that anyone listening to this right now needs to give 
their kids an abundance of privacy. I'm not saying that they're going to become they're going to yeah. become a killer. Um, but the point is, is that this um, someone who isn't under isn't under anyone's authority is this is this kind of stuff is going to happen when you are um, <coughs> training young men and women to not be under any single person's authority, but their selves. Yeah. Um, that this is how that kind of behavior happens. Um, it's so important that you, uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a lie that our culture, uh, I don't use the word lightly preaches. Um, and we need to stop being fooled and Christians need to stop, <laughs> uh, thinking that, that the government doesn't want to propagate privacy yeah. between you and your child mm-hmm. um, because they do, oh, yeah. because they want the authority over your children. That's how they train them to be good little material well, secularists. It's, 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 their, um, it's their mindset that's codified in, uh, or expressed in the, the, with the expression, uh, it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. We'll raise your kid for you. Like, right. let, let us raise your kid. Well, it's- or they, they even take um, the instances of a lot of, Uh, really, I mean, if you want to say like degraded areas and they say, oh, well, look, you can't even feed your kids. We'll Mm -hmm. feed them. Yeah. We're the one you're not even you're not even doing it. So we have to do it. Thanks. Right. Like they they're almost like a martyr in all of this. We'll take control. You know, I was I was recently talking to uh, a very sweet lady um, who's uh, who's doing a story um, on the differences between uh, our church and our our pursuit uh, to uh, our our fight to end abortion by equal protection as Christians with the gospel, all of that, and uh, the pro life establishment and how they're doing it, um, and uh, and you know one of the things that um, I was uh, talking to her about was the fact that um, you know the Christian church used to own and run and excel in education. Yeah, right. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, Government schools, public schools are really a a, a newcomer in a sense in American history. Mm -hmm. Before that, education was private. Education was distinctly Christian. And uh, we were doing dang good with it. (laughs) I mean, no, seriously. I mean, if you think about like the the things that uh, homeschooling and Christian education and classical Christian education, all that stuff produced, like it produced some heavy hitters in history. Um, I mean, seriously, you name your heroes in American history and they were... Uh, Christian schooled, homeschooled, uh, you know, uh, classical Christian education, all of that. And so we did a pretty good job. Our literacy rates were amazing. And people at the time when they were trying to say, let's do government education and have the government run the school system, there were pastors and Christians then saying, this will be the fast track to atheism and the destruction of our nation, the morality of our nation. This will be the fast track to it. If you give the government, the state, the job to do this, it means the end of our nation. And, and the state was like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you look at it and you're like, <laughs> well, they weren't far from the truth at all. Because, right. I mean, what have we produced? We have some of the most abysmal figures when it comes to literacy in our nation and education. Um, and we have produced, just in the last generation, a generation of human beings in the West who actually think that there is no meaning no purpose, that I just uh, crawled out of the soup like the rest of humanity. There's no ultimate ought 
to do anything in the world. Sexual ethics don't matter. I mean, you can pretty much do whatever your passions and lusts lead you to, all of that. And so, you know, those pastors, they had a point. They had a point. Uh, Let's just say that uh, Christian education, we do it better. And can I just say this, and I don't mean this in any way, and listen, I we have to be careful right now. Can I just say this? I don't want to talk down to anybody, so don't take this as that. Like, this is me, like, remarking also to myself. Like, we have to be so careful not to use mo- moments like this, um, like the left does, yeah. to simply get on their soapbox right. and, like, and neglect the pain people are going through. Um so I want to be careful, but I, but I just, I have to say it because it's a moment where you sort of have to speak to it. Like, are we going to say anything that's helpful? Are we just going to give platitudes, all the rest? Well, here's something helpful, I think. Okay. Um, get your kids out of government schools. Yeah. Where are all these murders taking place? Where are all these murderous shooting sprees taking place? Just think about the last 25 years, for goodness sakes. Think about Columbine. Think about all the way down the line, Sandy Hook, and everything that's taken place to this moment in Texas, and ask yourself a question, where is it taking place all the time? Mm -hmm. It's in the place where we've made these children shooting ducks. No defense, no real protection, no guard, and we have, you know, rules like this is a gun-free zone. Apparently not always, though, right? It's a gun-free zone, which sort of is like a sign to the murderer on a rampage. Here is where all the victims be. Here is where they reside. This is where I get them. Well, and um, I'm glad you brought that up because kind of the reason why I brought up authority is because when you acknowledge authority, what you're acknowledging is that there are people that need to have authority over them, which means you're acknowledging that some people are vulnerable and need protection, Um, And you'll see a total amazing pattern of God, wherever God sets up authority, Mm -hmm. you'll find that in response to Mm -hmm. someone who's vulnerable Mm -hmm. and who needs to be protected. Um, And that applies especially to young kids. I mean, there, there is this, we're talking about having the ability to justify grief and have a coherent uh, logical reason uh, behind it, but there's also a reason why anyone can look at the situation and gasp and cry, um, and it's because in we we sort we've given up a lot of ground to this sort of like neutral uh, scientific middle. But the point is, is that God's design is obvious. Like it's obvious. Mm-hmm. It's obvious in the situation of abortion. It's obvious in the situation of little children being killed. There isn't. It's not just a denial of their their imaging God. There is something totally unnatural about especially a man coming in and terrorizing yeah. vulnerable young mm. people. Yeah. And that's obvious. It's obvious. Um, and you can absolutely feel you don't <laughs> if there's anything I feel like I'm I've learned over the last 10 years, it's that. I don't need to have some sort of scientific study behind that. Mm. It's obvious. If you want to pretend like it's not obvious or there's some nuance here or whatever, if you want to redefine what the word vulnerable means or what authority means, that's cool. But um, it's, it's just written on our hearts. We know it. We know it deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, not to get too far off track, but just to, um, solidify your point the the gun free zones and all that and our kids being unprotected like i don't think people even realize how how bad it really is so even here 
In Arizona, we have some of the most constitutional gun laws in the state, right? Or in the country, I mean. Um, even even with uh, uh, Demas's approval to carry a, a firearm, uh, if I if I was to get pulled over driving through a school zone and I have a gun on me, I can be in trouble for being in that school zone with a gun, even with a permit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is, so say say we were there in Uvalde and you were to run in with your firearm and stop this guy from being evil, uh, you could still be in trouble for carrying a firearm into a school zone. Even though you're using that tool appropriately. Technically, because right. the way the laws, the way the yeah. laws are set. That's yeah. my point. Is yeah. like they're, yeah. like you, you're talking about sitting ducks and stuff. That's that, that's how awful these situations truly are. And I don't think people really realize it. So. Yeah. And so like, so two points there. And again, I want to be very cautious yeah. to the person that may be watching this that actually has had their child killed in this situation. I, I Please hear me on this. This is trying to give a Christian response in terms of, okay, how do we stop this? How do we fix it? Like in a way that is um, biblical, reasonable. And, and I think you have to think in, in two terms, like get your children out of government schools immediately. One is worldview. They're discipling your kids, yeah. period. And stop being like me before I started homeschooling my kids and saying things like, I'm going to send them as missionaries. How's that worked out for you? Uh, and they're not called to do that. Um, and uh, in terms of like, as a child, it's your job to disciple them and educate them, not to send them out unprepared into the world to be discipled yeah. by somebody else. And, and, and let's be honest, you are not getting the amount of discipleship time with your child that your teachers are in the public school, right? Are you going to match the seven hours a day they're doing Five days a week. You're going to match that with discipleship? No, you're not. You can't. It hasn't. We've been saying that long enough that we would be seeing some fruit of that by now. And we have not. No, there be there. The culture and the public education system is doing a better job of discipling our kids than we are. And And they are intentionally doing it. Yes. This is the myth of neutrality. Right. This is we think that because it's out in the public square that it is obligated to be neutral, mm-hmm. but the the state is educating your child with their religion. Yes. It is a religious act. Yes, it's an antithetical worldview. Like, what is religion fundamentally? This is just, again, fundamentally. It is, it, it is the um, propagation of an ultimate, mm-hmm. right? Ultimate, and it's an ethical system, right? Like, it's at least that. I mean, there's also stuff in you can say, like a view of origins and all the rest. So yeah, when you go to a school like this, your child is getting a religious education. They're being told what is ultimate and how they ought to live their lives, right? So this is very religious, and we need to consider that. So the first thing I want to say in terms of like, how do you correct this for Christian families in the future? Number one, worldview issues. Get your child out of government schools immediately. Stop letting your child be discipled by the state. Take our kids away. Uh, from the state and uh, in an antithetical uh, worldview to the Christian worldview and the gospel itself. The next thing is, if you want to correct this, I would say get your children out of the school. Why? Because clearly they can't protect them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm saying that, mm-hmm. trying to be so sensitive to the people who may have see this and may be hurting in Texas right now. I don't mean this to indict you. I'm saying if we're going to heal from this and get out of this, fix the problem at the right. root of it. They are not protected in government schools. Those are gun-free zones. If your child is in home with at home with you, you have the ability yourself to protect them. 
Uh, we're armed to the teeth in my house, okay? And my whole family knows how to use the guns. And so my family is protected in my home. But also, if you go to, a, if you pick a Christian school or a private Christian education school, you can actually entrust those people, ask questions. What are you doing to protect my kid? Mm-hmm. Who do you have here to guard them? And do they have weapons? And show me how you make sure you keep this place secure all the time. And you know what? If you don't do it, I'm not going to pay you, right? It's a business. And it's, it is. It's a business. And so businesses to operate and to do well, they have to be competitive, right? And if they're going to get your dollars, you have to entrust them with your child. And if you don't trust them, you will not entrust them <laughs> with your child. And so get your children out of government schools because they've demonstrated over decades they will not they cannot protect your children. One of the things that, um, uh, and I'm just mentioning the name because I just saw I just saw it come up in response to Texas shooting. One thing that, that Ted Cruz had said when he was running to Texas shooting, he was like, "Look," he said, "We've got to we've got to fix this." He said, "I tried to fix this years ago, like I think he said ten years ago or something like that." He said, "I put a bill in that would have taken money we had available to go to public schools across the country that would have actually like put armed policemen in the schools, like in the schools and like you know rules in place and bulletproof windows and all that stuff." He said that they just filibustered it. They they didn't want the actual wow. protection. So like, to think about that. Like maybe if they had did that, had done that. Now I don't agree with government schools and, and that sort of a thing, but you know, I do want these kids to survive. So in, until that all happens, until we get a proper view of education and, and better education in our country, I do want these kids protected. And so like they're demonstrating to you, we don't value the lives of your children exactly. enough to actually say, we must have them protected. Gun-free zones are not always gun-free zones. They're not, because when these murderers come in to do these rampages, they're the ones with the guns, and everyone else is a victim. That's that's just where we're putting these kids. So get your kids out of government schools. Get them out as soon as you can. Um, let's uh, do uh, another thing here. Let me go ahead and play. Um, this is uh, President uh, Biden. Uh, just just a, a quick portion of uh, what he said in response to the shooting. Scripture says, Joel and I have talked about this in different contexts, another context. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So many crushed spirits. Joy, you were saying before the show. I wanted you to add those thoughts to this. Yeah, I thought, I mean... I just think it's very interesting that uh, I have never heard Joe Biden say anything about God ever. It's possible he has. Yeah, yeah but you never, you've never. But he, this isn't, have you guys ever heard him pray? No. I haven't personally. And that's not to say again, like yeah. you said, like right. it hasn't been done, but it's not, it's not a topic of normal conversation for him I, to appeal to the scriptures. And yeah, he, exactly. and he very consistently um, is against any biblical standard as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And he has been for many, many decades. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, God is sovereign. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he made it through that prayer <laughs> uh, yeah. without being struck by some sort of lightning bolt. <laughs> um, but I just think it's, I just thought it was interesting that when it really comes down to such a horrific event something so heartbreaking this man who has made no attempt to appear religious in any way um or ever to appeal to god and his power for healing or anything like that 
uh, suddenly he is using he needs him god as a yeah yeah and and it's we need god right now right right like a, like yeah. we, we don't want god in the public square we don't want him in our government we don't want him in our legislature we don't want him in our courts we don't want him in our schools but man when, when it hurts really do we happen. need yeah. him yeah. Do yeah. we ne- so we're going to appeal to his word when we hurt but we will not appeal to his word or his authority when we ought to yeah in government, in the legislature, in when wisdom is required, which is all the time. And so Joe Biden will appeal to the word of the living God from scripture when people are hurting, because everyone knows in that moment, man, we really need him. But he won't appeal to it in his daily um, managing the country um, or his appeals to what ought to be the case in terms of law. It's a very important point. So a little bit more. So tonight, I ask the nation to pray for them, give the parents and siblings the strength in the darkness they feel right now. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? It's been 340 3,448 days, 10 years since I stood up at a high school in Connecticut, a grade school in Connecticut, where another gunman massacred 26 people, including 20 first graders at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Since then, there have been over 900 incidents of gunfires reported on school grounds. You, it's not wrong as a Christian, to be offended at the invoking of God's name yeah. here when it's convenient for you. Because we can all see through the tricks, right? God's not necessary for you. He's not necessary for the legislature. He's not necessary for law. He's not necessi- necessary for public discourse. He's not necessary. We don't need him. We are neutral. But the moment it hurts, then you're talking about things like darkness and man, do we need his light and we need him to bind up the brokenhearted. And then what in God's name, when in God's name, all of this God's name stuff, like he's quoting from the Christian scriptures. He's now appealing to God. He's talking about prayer. It's like, this is really amazing. I wish you would have done this two weeks ago when people were trying to make laws about murdering children at will in the legislature. And Joe Biden was encouraging it. Never forget that. All the appeal to emotion about children dying in schools um, is being done by a man who was literally encouraging the legislature two weeks ago to codify Roe versus Wade as law so that mothers and fathers would have the freedom legislatively, federally, to murder their children at will. So all the appeals to emotion about Sandy Hook and Texas I'm sorry, stop borrowing capital from the Christian worldview in order, to, in order to get something that you really want. You're borrowing from Christianity to make the emotional appeal so that you can then distort, distort it and wisdom itself to get what you want. Let's just admit it. You're just doing this to play people because you don't want to talk about the God of the Holy Scriptures any other time. You want to talk about it now because it's politically expedient for you. And let's just mention, of course, that I, I don't seem to hear the president talking about on a regular basis what takes place in Chicago yeah. every single Seriously. weekend. 
right? How many people get shot and die in Chicago in a month in the city of Chicago? And I, I don't hear any. I don't and hear it, anything about it's that. It's one of the. It's. I believe it's still one of the most high, like highly regulated. Oh, it absolutely like yeah. places. How's it to working live? out? I know. How's it working out? You got well, tons yeah, of gun free zones and all kinds of tight laws. Criminals ignore signs right. and laws. Criminals, criminals walk and they see a sign. And they go, "Oh shoot, gotta go put my gun back in my car." It's like no, they come to do the evil things. And so you are saying, take the equalizer out of the hands of the innocent victim, make them a victim. I mean, it 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 should be so obvious if you look at your feet. Well, we had a gun-free zone. A guy came on a murderous rampage and he killed people. So what we need to do is we need to do gun-free zones and we need to make sure that everywhere is a gun-free zone. It's like, how'd that gun-free zone work out for you? We need to impose laws upon the already law-abiding in yeah. order to make the unlawful follow laws. Because they really do a good job of following laws, right? <laughs> like, they see signs and they go, oh, shoot, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, Arizona, you mentioned Arizona is one of the strongest states when it comes to constitutional um, uh, carry and constitutional rights with guns. But, you know, the, you know what I'm talking about, Luke. Those times where, like, you go to a place, you're carrying you know, for the protection of your family. You're not there to hurt anybody. You will not hurt anybody. But you go into a store to go grab something and you see like the, you know, the regulation sign that says no weapons in here. And it's like, oh shoot, I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, do you go back to your car? Do you put it away? Like, I'm not going to hurt anybody here. And, but the, I mean, the law says like, you're not allowed in here, but it's like, you know, the, it's the, it's the, it's the innocent person and the righteous person who looks at that and goes, I guess I got to put my gun away. I'm not going to hurt anybody. But behind you is the maniac who looks at the sign and just totally disregards it because he's yeah. there to hurt right. people right. because that's the point. It's the, it's the wicked and evil person that's doing this. So really the answer president Biden is to deal with the heart issue. And the only way to deal with the heart issue is to talk about that God that you just appealed to. You just appealed to his word about breaking up the broken hearted and binding people. Yeah. He has a lot more to say in his word about law, about gender, about righteousness, about justice and culture and society. So let's not appeal to his word in terms of things are bad for us, we really need him. Let's appeal to his word to say, what are his ways? How should we live? Cease to do evil, learn to do good, right? Come to God, be forgiven of your sins, come to Christ. Like look to his word as the foundation and answer of, of everything. It's just so convenient. And it's also, let's just admit it, just say it. It's internally incoherent to say, well, we had an instance where we had some, you know, strict gun laws around this school and didn't really work for us because this guy was a maniac. So let's just make the whole nation a gun-free zone. <laughs> what? So you want to make us all victims like these children? I mean, you know, there's a heck of a lot of innocent people and solid, righteous people who want to use those tools to protect their family, to protect their friends. I mean, I think about the church shooting that happened. Um, yeah. Two years ago? It was in Texas, I think. From it was in Texas. Yeah. Wow, it was the only way that thing was stopped. It was stopped by a, a good guy with a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a, it was a heck of a good shot, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. Um, it was stopped by a good guy with a gun. It would have been much worse if it would have been much worse if we had the kind of ideology prevalent that is in this man's mind and people like him um, who just want to say, strip him, strip him. You know, and and all this whole thing about like, well, it's the it's the assault weapon. What is that assault weapon? You're talking about AR-15, a semi-automatic, a semi-automatic rifle. Um, and uh, you know, we're not going to get into the show discussion today about gun rights and what the Bible says about that and Constitution. We're not going to do that today. But let's just let's call it what it is. 
It's internally incoherent. It's inconsistent. We see what you're doing. Stop invoking the name of God um, for something that's just politically expedient for you. Mm. Well, we always say inconsistency is a sign of a, a failed argument. We actually, just before the show started, we saw it popped up that uh, his press secretary had just literally just had a, a press thing a few minutes ago, and she we kind of were skipping through it, and she number the second thing she mentioned was uh them not being able to codify the murder of our preborn neighbors into law and she was all upset about that and you know we're stopping reproductive women's reproductive health rights and all that and then about two minutes later then she gets on there and and says something like why are we allowing uh the protection of our children's lives to be a partisan issue <laughs> <laughs> within like, two minutes within two minutes yeah and it's just like goodness gracious like it just angers me we <laughs> want to makes me angry. we like, want to be able to murder our kids yeah. why are we letting kids be murdered yeah right yeah, yeah on it's it's within two minutes and they, and they can't even see their own feet yeah exactly right and and just just to say it what what just gets me so upset is what nations have had the most people murdered it's uh well one ours because we've allowed abortion um but it's it's all the atheist nations that have taken the people's guns away so again our our leftist uh liberal government is promulgating death and so they're using the death of innocence to say we're going to take your guns away which will only result in more innocent people being murdered. Yeah, it's never worked out in history when the um, when the the government itself becomes so ultimate that they actually control citizens like that and, and citizens' ability to defend themselves. I mean, let's be honest: you're living in a nation that was built by people who actually use their guns to protect their communities and themselves against tyrannical governments. And that's, by the way, why that's in that Second Amendment. We need to learn our history. Exactly. The problem is most people today don't understand that history because they were trained in government schools right right and so there's like no real understanding of like what's the worldview behind the second amendment like why is it just so you have a bunch of gun-toting people carrying american flags saying america america my guns are fun i love them like is that why <laughs> we just really want our guns or is there a whole worldview behind that amendment of the right to keep and bear arms is there a reason for that like what's the worldview behind that well i mean if you're like me i went to public school i went to government school all through high school. And I, I actually remember the classes of American history. Do you remember those classes? I remember them. Yeah. I remember learning about uh, George Washington. I remember learning about the pilgrims and all that stuff. But all I learned was bare facts. Like, here's when they landed. Here's where they were. This is what they did. Here's this guy. Here's what he did. Blah, blah, blah. You didn't learn about the worldview behind any of it. Like, why did they have these amendments? What were they thinking? And what did they experience in England and in France before all this happens, like where where did they develop this from? Like why why were these early founding fathers quoting from these French Huguenots? Why why were they appealing to British common law? Uh, was it because they really loved British common law? Like that was the thing. It was like no, they understood that it had a historical pedigree back to scripture. That it was developed from scripture. That's that's why they were appealing to it. Like why did they set up our system with the case law system that they have now? Oh, it's because that's what Moses did. And that's what they were appealing directly to. Actually, quoting directly from Exodus and Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy. Like there's a whole worldview behind this, and we don't know it. We don't know it. 
And so we need to get to know it. And the way to do that is to get your kids in public, uh, out of public school and into private Christian education and homeschooling. That's what you need to do. Well, I was going to say, even now, the, the history books in government schools now are even worse because they're not just stating the facts. They're actually promulgating a liberal worldview where they're actually lying about yeah, the reasons. false narratives. The false narratives, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's even gotten more worse. So Yeah. Next, uh, just play this because this just goes to show in terms of um, how people will use a moment like this with no concern for the hurting. And okay, I'll just I'll just say this: um, over the last couple of years, we've spent a lot of time as a church with a prophetic ministry. We believe it's a duty of the church to protect the fatherless, to establish justice. That like our religion requires of us to speak into the area of abortion and to actually demand of legislators that they obey Jesus Christ and God's word and that they provide protection for all human beings, right? So we've been doing a lot of talking to legislators across the country over the last couple of years as ministers of the gospel to say, do your duty before God, obey God, obey his word. Um, And I got to tell you, last couple of years, Everybody knows the common theme of like politicians. Oh, it's just a politician. You're just saying what they want to say to get votes or whatever. There's inconsistent, not principled. And everyone sort of has this like, you know, uh, um, suspicion of politicians. Like it's a dirty game and it's really evil. These people are inconsistent. And uh, they'll say things and not really mean them. And uh, they'll do the opposite of what they actually say. And so I would say over the last couple of years, my... um, ability to ignore that perspective is impossible now because it's much worse than you think. Oh yeah. It's much worse. First hand. Much worse. Knowledge. And this is not an exaggeration. I'm not being hyperbolic. It is earth-shatteringly bad when it comes to politicians and the kind of person that they are, what they will say in public, what they will say behind closed doors the duplicitous nature of things um, and um, the lack of courage, the lack of principle, the total compromise. And so when I see a moment like this now, I'm like, yeah, makes sense. Makes total sense. I don't believe a moment. I don't believe in, I don't believe any of the passion that you have in this moment here. This is all for political points. So this was um, Beto, is it Beto or Beto? Beto. Beto O'Rourke confronting Governor Greg Abbott um, at the uh, shooting presser. Um, so this is like, I mean, literally like the bodies are probably still warm. And this guy has the audacity to come up at the presser with like the police and the governor as they're talking about it to do this. Time I will uh, pass the mic to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Hey. Sit down. I don't play this. No. He needs to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to a soldier. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. It's on assholes like you. Why don't you get out of here? 
forgot to mention there was some language, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I thought that was a clip where it was clipped out. I apologize, everybody. I'm sorry about that um, for the language there. I thought that was clipped. Um, but another example. Um, so just to show you the inconsistency and the internal incoherence of these people in their worldview, here is, um, this is um, Chuck Schumer um, when they got the word about the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned. So this is Chuck Schumer like three, four weeks ago, okay? Last night, a report disclosed that a conservative majority of the United States Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade and uproot decades of precedent affirming a woman's right to an abortion. If this report is accurate, the Supreme Court is poised to inflict the greatest restriction of rights in the past 50 years, not just on women, but on all Americans. Under this decision, our children will have less rights than their parents. Oh. The Republic. Oh. Oh, wait, wait. What? Oh. What? What are you doing talking about children what? in the same breath? Do you see? Just It just... It's blindness, right? Such blindness. Right. Fools despise wisdom and correction. You can't even see that you're literally, you're literally harping on the fact, calling it abomination, that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe versus Wade and people are not going to be able to kill their children anymore. And man, our children are going to grow up in a nation with less rights than we have. Wait, you said... You want the children to be able to be slaughtered, but now you're worried about the children that are going to have less rights. Like, it's in the same breath. You're like 10 seconds right. between spots. Yep. You can't see it. Right. That's what I mean. That's what, like, to me, when you say the word fool, I can't imagine a clearer image than someone holding two Bingo. deeply opposing things in, they're both there, right there in your hand. And it's like, well, what about that one thing you said? And they're just like, right. <laughs> they just put it behind their back. There is that is the world we live in. The world we live in uh, is deeply inconsistent. Right. Um, and the only way it's coherent and continues to work is that they're that they can talk about one thing at a time. That two weeks ago they can talk about this one thing, and now they can talk about this thing. Mm -hmm. But you have there has to be some level of consistency. Someone has to push and press on this and say, "Hey." I still see you holding those two things. How right. are you holding them both? Right. Like I, and I saw you put it behind your back, like, <laughs> yeah. but we're not doing that. Well, you just mentioned like on, on, in this, in this week, he says this. And then two weeks later, he says this, but in this video, he hadn't even, I don't even think he got a chance to catch his breath yet between right. sentences. Yes. Right. <laughs> he right. said it, it wasn't two weeks apart right. even. Right. It is that. But in this That's moment, it was it like he didn't have a chance to get to catch his breath yes. before he went and totally contradicted himself. On the one hand, kill the children. On the other hand, man, we got to protect these children's rights. Which is it? Yeah. Which is it? Kill the children or protect their rights? Like, on the one hand, you want to give an emotional appeal, appeal to all these children and their rights and these children who are dying. But boy, we really need to protect the right for parents to kill their children. Oh, we really man. want them to continue dying. It, it, it's, it's amazing because this I, I've only played on the screen 36 seconds. 36 seconds. He said that in 36 seconds. He really did. But this, again, this was a couple of weeks ago. He calls, um, he calls the overturning of Roe versus Wade an abomination. That he calls it an abomination. 
He wants mothers and fathers, and he worked for legislation that would allow mothers and fathers to continue to kill their children in the womb. He was He's one of the most vocal advocates for the codification of Roe that we have federally. Schumer, he is. This is Schumer this week. That was a couple weeks ago. This is Schumer this week in response to the Texas shooting. Yesterday, just 10 days after Buffalo, that plague struck again in Uvalde, Texas, where 19, 19 innocent children and two teachers were gunned down at Robb Elementary. Do we have a problem with innocent Mm. children? Innocent, small, developing human beings being murdered? Do we have a problem with that? I do. I do. From a Christian perspective, I say give the guy, uh, anybody who's involved in that, give him, give him capital punishment. Show the world that the state is serious about murdering mm-hmm. children like that at a school. Like Give them the worst of the worst in terms of don't let them have life in prison. No, you capital punishment. You murder these human beings in the school, you're going to get capital punishment. That's what I think is justice. Uh, I say give them the worst. I have a basis to say like these innocent children dying is meaningful. You just were trying to fight for innocent children to be murdered in the wombs of their mothers. What what took place in Texas? A man in an unjustified manner took the lives of developing small human beings. What are you fighting for in legislation? That mothers and fathers can take the lives of innocent developing human beings in their wombs in an unjustified manner. What's the difference? There is no difference. There is the no only difference. difference is that one is even more unnatural than the other because you're killing your own child. Yeah. yeah for he, for he them, was, it boils yeah. down to if the child is wanted or not. Yeah. Right. That's their standard. Here's more. In the middle of the school day, just before the start of summer when these kids were looking forward to having such a wonderful time with their family and friends, gone. They're gone. The shooter crashed his truck near the school overpowered the police already at the scene and reportedly began shooting inside a fourth grade classroom. 19 kids, two teachers, forever gone in the blink of an eye. America's gun epidemic is unmatched by any of our peer nations in the world. No American is safe from it. And the American people are sick and tired of it. But we also have a problem, a big problem, here in the United States Senate. A big problem in the United States Senate. The problem in the Senate is simple. Too many members on the other side of the aisle are disconnected from the suffering of the American people. Too many members on that side care more about the NRA than they do about families who grieve victims of gun violence. So... That's just a lie. The point, yeah, please expatiate on that. That's totally dishonest. The the point is innocent little human beings are dying and we have to do something about it. That's ultimately it, right? right? Innocent human beings are dying and we have to do something about it. We have to put a stop to it. We have to do everything we can to put a stop to it. Says the man that just tried to codify it into law Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. it's, it's by permission. You wanted to continue to say something? Oh, no, I'm just, it's not true. So (laughs) what he said about um, uh, people who own guns and people who are for uh, the private ownership of guns 
with little to no regulation uh, understand what guns are for. And so to paint a picture that they have some weird NRA interest or they, we understand what a gun does. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate what Luke said earlier, which was that if you needed to stop someone, um, there is a, there is an appropriate way to use a gun. And that is to stop someone, not to kill someone, um, but to stop someone. Um, And, and so I think to paint a picture where a gun owner just is cavalier and doesn't really understand what the impact is, I think is very, very far from the truth. Yeah. And, you know, in in terms of, uh, I, I just don't think it's, I think it's offensive to even compare this kid to someone that would use a gun to protect a a small child. Right. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned when people talk about taking away tools like this, I'm concerned about the single mother who's home alone at night with her kids in an area that's not ultimately safe, that she has the ability to defend herself. I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about my teenage daughter, my, my older daughter, I'm concerned about them going to the grocery store late at night near my house with the sorts of characters that are running around yeah. that, that, that parking lot. I mean, I, I saw a guy um, uh, almost lose his life getting just randomly stabbed in right. the parking lot of my house. Like you need an equalizer. And I'm concerned about taking those equalizers away from people who, who need them to defend themselves, period. Um and so this is a big discussion. We've done lots of shows on, you know, guns and what the Bible says about weapons and right. gun rights. We've done those. Not going to emphasize that today, but it's really important to consider the moment. Um, now we have the left and, and those people with these agendas. Now we have them using this as an opportunity to get their way, and they're doing it based upon the emotional appeal that they can make, only borrowing from the Christian worldview, and yet they don't want to submit actually to that God, right? Like, mm-hmm. we really need to grieve over uh, innocent children dying. Everyone feels the weight of that. I don't want that to happen. Well, how do you even make sense of that apart from Jesus, first of all? But you don't want that to happen, but you're the same people that literally are arguing that mothers should be able to slaughter their children in their own wombs and they should be able to do it as much as they want, as often as they want. Again, 19 is not the limit. Uh, 20 is not the limit uh, in their minds in terms of a mother's right to dismember, decapitate, and disembowel the child that's in her womb. It's not, it's not a limit for them. It is unlimited. Your mother should be able to do this as much as she wants. But boy, we really got to do something about all these innocent children dying. Do you see the problem? I hope we do. Well, sorry. sorry, I just wanted to touch on something again, not to derail the conversation, but something he said that I think is important to point out. I I believe the words he uses is that other nations don't have the same gun. I think he said epidemic. Is that the word he used? Yeah, we have. Um, But again, other nations have the same murder epidemics mm-hmm. it's just different tools. murders right. in the heart and heart of exactly. fallen man right, so right. Like, right. They, the, the other nations may not have the gun issue because they've taken all their guns but the murder is still there mm-hmm. it's just different tools it's knives it's hatchets it's whatever you can use to kill someone well when we were in when we were, yeah. we were in scotland um kneecapping helping they the still church have a problem with kneecapping <laughs> yeah, that's right there. yeah exactly we were in scotland what was the what was the major theme in like the uk and in scotland like 
you you couldn't get a knife to save your life because yeah. their the stabbings are such a problem. And like, remember we were downtown in Glasgow, Glasgow. and uh, oh, yeah. we someone saw that fight break knifed. out. Yeah. Someone get knifed, yeah, almost got knifed. And because the, the problem is the human heart. It's not the yeah. tool. The human heart will find a way. So look, if you want the world to change, it's not going to be through regulation. It's going to be through redemption. Yeah. I'm not just trying to be pithy. That's the truth. Like the world will change, not via regulation, but via redemption. You want human hearts to stop being so murderous? They need to be made new. And the only person who does that is God. That same God you quoted from, President Biden, that God, he's the one that changes hearts and minds. And he has a law that is righteous and just and actually protects people. And so um, that's what we need to look to. Um, Our hearts and prayers and our grief goes out to the families who lost so much in Texas. And our prayers, of course, for our nation, that our nation would have its eyes open to the truth, that they'd come to know Christ and peace and forgiveness and salvation in Him. Uh, Thank you guys for letting us speak to you today about this and give you um, hopefully a meaningful and helpful Christian response. Um, And uh, that's Luke the Bear. Peace out. That's Joy the Girl. See ya. And we will catch you next week right here on Apologia Radio. Get more at apologiastudios.com.